Colin Cullis oil. Um, we talk about it a lot. We panic about it even more. The origins of the way we process, refine, source, package, transport, uh, and and deal with oil today. Take us through the history. It's a fascinating history, Bruce. And again, until I went and read up a little bit more about it, I just treated oil, you know, because I hear it mentioned repeatedly during the day, quoted in, you know, your reports and news reports, uh, and everybody, like you say, fretting about it. Um, for most South Africans, I suppose the only physical connection we may ever have to a barrel of oil are those drums that are typically cut in half so we can make those most excellent brides out of. Um, is that, why, given, is that um, why oil is transported in those drums, so that it can come here, they can be cut in half, put on legs, and then we have brides <laughs> until they rust through? Well, that's maybe the first of the sort of uh, strange, weird, non-truthful facts about how most oil is transported. It's not transported in anything. It's put in a, a big ship or, or through a pipeline or into a massive you know, truck container uh, because we use so much of the stuff uh, that it's not practical to go and put it into a bunch of barrels. And, and those barrels, by the way, uh, come from the old wine barrel, whiskey barrels that they were based on, rather than the drums. Like anybody sees, like, that's not a barrel, that's a drum. The steel drums that we use, which are bigger. Those are 200-litre drums, but they're based on the 159-litre barrels. I'll talk a little bit more about the history and how those conventions came okay. to be made, but I thought I'll kick off with a couple of quite strange facts that hopefully will get you slightly more interested in otherwise what is a very boring and you know, non-interesting kind of subject. Um, despite that, it is a deadly serious subject. One, because our burning of oil and other fossil fuels is the principal reason we have a massive global warming crisis that faces us. And on the second half, and this specifically relates to oil, is that most of our plastic, if not all of our plastic, comes from oil-derived products. And we have polluted the planet you know, very, very badly as a consequence. So despite how amazing oil is, um, it has some very, very big downsides. And one of them is the role it plays during and to foster conflicts. And the, the spike at the moment in the oil prices, thanks to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a lot of Europe and, and the world's reliance on the gas and oil that comes out of Russia, it's a very large producer itself. Uh, and despite the sanctions to try and limit the money that Russia would have to, to spend on this war, uh, those nations who rely on that oil have to get the, the energy, have to pay for it, and are giving that money to Russia, which effectively allows them to continue with the war. But I'll get more into the sort of serious side of it. Here's a couple of those crazy facts. And, and the first one, well, well, I'll give you the first three, all relate to its connection with alcohol. So the first one is that the, the, the oil barrel that is described, that we still describe, the Brent crude or the WTI, the Western Texas Intermediate, uh, come from the mid-1800s when oil was discovered and, and, and they were trying to find uses for it and, and popularize its sale. Um, oil producers would, would stick it into basically anything they could find that they could easily manage and cart off to somebody who would want to use the stuff. Uh, and typically the things that were most readily available were the kind of barrels you got for wine or in this case, whiskey. And so they wind up settling on the 42 gallon uh, whiskey barrel. And that became the unit for forever since, uh, even though nobody's using whiskey barrels at all for, for, for its transport anymore. The second one though, is that um, we, we get all of the products and there are hundreds of products we get from oil. In fact, there isn't an industry that doesn't use petroleum-based or petroleum oil-based products uh, from, from the distillation of, of, of oil. And this is how we extract oil. It's via distillation, the same way we get alcohol out of uh, uh, wine or grain-based uh, uh, products is you boil it. And because 
the different parts boil at different temperatures, um, you can extract it in different ways. It's a lot more complicated than that. I'll touch a little bit on the refining process later, but ostensibly it shares that with the, the distillation process. And something that feeds into that is most alcohol you buy, and in the US, is required to be slightly radioactive. And the reason for that is that when you make alcohol out of plants that were recently living, they would have absorbed carbon-14 because it's naturally occurring around us and is slightly radioactive. Not dangerous for you in any way, but detectable. Uh, but that breaks down over time. Uh, but because oil is effectively dead uh, living things, uh, you can distill alcohol from oil. And quite a lot of the ethanol that is produced, most of the hand sanitizers we've been using for the last two years are distilled from oil. But if you drink ethanol, literally the, the, the base of what any alcohol is, you couldn't really tell the difference. You, you could go and mature it in oak and do all those other good things. And effectively, you'd have something that tastes just like regular alcohol. But because it's made from millions of years old dead things, um, we kind of think we frowned upon that. So we don't, we don't allow us to, to make um, you know, alcohol out of oil. But those are three things uh, related to the oil price or the oil and its production. And a further one is that had we not discovered oil, we probably would have made most species of whale extinct. And the reason for that is in the mid-1800s, um, people had become uh, wealthy enough to be able to afford not just candles in their home, but to start using uh, lamp, uh, oil lamps. And most of that oil came from rendering down whale blubber. Uh, and the ones that are most popular around South Africa called right whales, simply because they floated and they were the right whales for making this oil out of, uh, were hunted almost to the point of extinction. But with uh, oil producers, you know, as any entrepreneurs would, uh, sort of looked around to say, hey, listen, you know, there's a great little market for this. The oil prices, because whales are getting more rare, uh, are going up. Can't we, can't we look to make something out of oil? And so the distillate that they use, and it's one we know very well here in South Africa, paraffin, kerosene as they call it in the US, uh, was the thing that they wind up uh, distilling what? and saying, hey guys, here's an alternative. Easier for us to find, much cheaper for us to produce, and slightly easier on the whale populations. And so yes, oil, you know, for all of its downsides, has been an incredible um innovation driver for our economies. In fact, the second industrial revolution was based on oil being the new energy source that could allow for the, the combustion engine and all of the innovation and, and progress that could come from that flights and et cetera. Um, but there again, uh, maybe it's a good, just to go backwards uh, a step and say, well, when, where does all this stuff come from and, and what is it? Because I was under the misapprehension that you get oil and then you get coal and one is older or something than the other. But as it turns out, Dead plankton, so dead sea animals, become oil. Dead land animals tend to become coal. And depending on how far underground they went, uh, both coal and typically oil can also turn into natural gas. So that's the origin for our, our big three sort of uh, fossil fuels and, and where they come from. And what you need is an incredible amount of, of dead biological material, organic matter, to be collected into a place that is very, very low in oxygen. If it had enough oxygen, it would just decompose like everything else and, you know, return to the normal cycle of life, as it were. So it needs to be isolated in this very low oxygen environment and then needs to be covered, usually by a huge amount of, of heavy sedimentary material to increase the pressure on that biological material and then hopefully sunk uh, deep enough into ground so effectively it gets cooked. It needs to be raised to a certain temperature for a certain period of time, usually millions of years, for a transition to take place and breaking up all those wind wonderful uh, uh, base components into the elements and, and the molecules that make up a barrel of oil. And, and then this year's where it starts getting crazy again because I also assumed well, oil was oil. It comes out of the ground, it kind of looks the same, but you, you, you're aware of these notions of somebody talking about 
um, you know, light oil or talking about heavy oil. And you think, yes. oh, yeah, okay, there must be some other reference. But what is the difference between the sweet and light and all this sort of stuff? Well, there are two main factors that uh, we, we use for oil measurement. One is this uh, uh, heavy versus light, and it's a density uh, sort of element. And the second one is its sulfur content. And this is where the sweet and sour comes from. And would you believe it? The sweetness is attributed because they used to taste the stuff. <laughs> One of the big things they needed to do with a paraffin that would be burnt in your home is that if it was, uh, if it did have quite a high sulfur content, and as you know, burnt sulfur doesn't smell very good, it's not very good for you, people wouldn't be very keen to have that in their home. So what they'd have to do is they have to check before you light the oil and sell it to everybody and they, and they notice that their homes stink of sort of burnt sulfur, is they would give it a little taste and a smell. But invariably, because it would taste, well, the, the high sulfur content would taste sour, the inverse then would taste sweet by comparison. It's not to say paraffin is sweet tasting if it has low sulfur. I, I dare say it tastes terrible no matter how you slice and dice it. But that's where we get the sweet light derivations, which means it's it's light, i.e. it's, well, I didn't go into that, the density. So the, the more it contains those sort of very volatile elements, the things that have got a lot more energy in it, that refers to the, the lighter part. So things like petroleum or petrol as we know it and paraffin and natural gas, well, that's part of the light part. And the heavier stuff uh, is the sort of the marine grade uh, bunker fuel that they use and asphalt and, and stuff like that that we use uh, that also comes from oil is the, is the heavier part. So those are the two uh, components that combine to give us the sweet light and whatever else. And for the most part, there are hundreds of different grades from many, many countries that produce it. Uh, biggest oil reserves, Venezuela, the likes of Saudi Arabia, uh, America, Russia. Um, so literally the whole planet is sort of covered in the stuff. Uh, a lot of it under the sea, good chunk of it on the land. Um, South Africa, though, is the exception as we, we've got lots of coal, but, but not much oil. Um, and so in all the different uh, grades and types you get, there are hundreds of different oil types. But the most common ones and the ones that typically you refer to every day would be Brent crude oil, this sort of northern, north, uh, north Sea uh, derived oil. Uh, and that's usually the benchmark price. And then the WTI one, the, the West Texas Intermediate, typically the, the lighter type crude oil, is it works sort of in lockstep with it, but it's, 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 it's priced slightly cheaper. And then, of course, this is all managed via uh, a, a cartel, I suppose I could call it that, uh, oil producing nations called OPEC, who manage the supply and ultimately the demand to keep the prices at a, at a, at a point where they don't upset the global economy too much, but ensure they get, they get great returns. That all gets sort of knocked on its head whenever there are conflicts. Uh, and for South Africans old enough to remember sort of a, a very big steep increase in, in fuel prices in the 70s, that came as a consequence of the Yom Kippur War uh, and the OPEC or the, the Arabian oil producing countries deciding to embargo uh, America and its allies, which included South Africa. And so effectively, we could get no fuel sent to us. Uh, and that caused all sorts of drama with you know, just nobody having any access to it. And, and that kind of brings us back to, to modern times with, with the, the issue we have now with Ukraine and, and, and our reliance on, on oil, because ultimately what we need to do is, is reduce our dependency on oil. Uh, but the ability to do that, you know, waiting for all electric or alternatives for, for how you would generate that electricity is still a long way off. Um, but we, we find ourselves stuck between relying on the current methods of extraction but having those processes no longer being as efficient. Uh, and here, maybe I could just mention South Africa has six oil refineries. We don't have oil, but we could bring it in and then refine it in those refineries. Two of them uh, uh, use coal, one uses coal, one uses gas, the other four were for, for refining oil. But all four of those are not working at the moment. Three had paused operations because they were effectively no longer commercially viable to do it. And the biggest one we had in Durban recently paused operations as a consequence of the July riots and, and doesn't seem likely to come back on stream or possibly be sold off and maybe the government will look to purchase it. 
But in any event, that's very old tech. It's not quite economically stable to do. And because of the, the, the rise in financial things like ESG, where the E refers to the you know, environmental investing, most people simply don't want to uh, invest in oil production and, and, and oil refining for that reason. So South Africa is going to be relying on importing actual finished product. That means we're very susceptible to the price swings as well as the availability. There's a whole bunch extra about this quite fascinating and quite scary thing, which I'll leave online, uh, but that hopefully gives you a little more context. The next time you quote that oil price, we will have a little more understanding about why it is so important for us to understand what it is. Thank you. Colin Cullis, Business Unusual. Fascinating insights into the world of oil. Slippery slope, really, when you get started, but ultimately it works out fine. Thank you, Colin Cullis, with Business Unusual.